0: Father, that's uh, it's not a song, it's our hope, it's our need. God, it's what has to happen in order for this to be more than just a meeting on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or whenever we get together with others. God, it's your presence that makes the difference. And so Father, I know we don't have to beg for it. We don't have to play games. God, it is your desire to pour yourself out amongst your people. And so, Father, we just receive what you have for us right now. And so for some, if it's healing, then manifest in their life is healing. If it's, as Jay said earlier, if it's the idea of being set free, from even an emotional prison, then Father, be the one who holds the keys, who springs the bars and lets the captive out. Father, whatever level we find ourselves at needing the Holy Spirit, God, do that. Do that for us this weekend. And I'm thankful for it. And I say yes to it. And if that's what you need, say amen to... Amen. Hey, you can go ahead and be seated. Glad that you're here. On the way in, you're handed the notes. Uh, So there are the paper notes. If you have um, the um, app on the app, you can uh, use the notes right there. You can also um, listen if that's the best way that you... uh, um, you know, learn and, and, and take it in. Whichever way works best for you is the way that we want you to feel comfortable doing it. Um, sure, glad that you're here this weekend. We're in a series called Above Average, and you'll see why. We call it Above Average here in just a second. But I've got a question for you to begin our time together. And I just, I guess when I was studying, uh, the thought came to me, and I could easily identify three, I call them life verses. So I don't know, what. maybe you'd just say, favorite verses, or verses that like have gotten you through a hard time, or verses that God gave you at a specific time in your life when you needed a promise. Maybe you were close to graduating. Maybe it was about getting married. Maybe it was about a business you were starting. Maybe it was about restarting after losing something tremendously. Whatever it is, um, how about this? Can you identify at least one or two scriptures in your life That are like your go-to scriptures that God's just used those in your life before. Raise your hand if that's you. Let me just say, yeah, for most of us. I realize not for all of us, but for most of us. So I I just wrote it down in the notes uh, for me to read to you. Do you have a few favorite life verses? I've got three, and I thought I would read my three because my third one is the text that we're teaching from. And for me, these three verses remind me to pray above average, to believe above average, to, to... to, to know that God wants to interact in my life and in this world above average. The first one is from Psalms, Psalms chapter one, verses one through three. And this, I just pray, I pray this over myself. I pray this over Chris. I pray this over my children. I pray it over my children's children. I pray it over our church. Just reads this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take Or sit in the company of mockers. Now, before I go any further, do you see the progression? He begins by walking, by standing, and by sitting with evil people. If you're hanging with the wrong people, that's exactly. As you're walking, if you begin to pay attention to wickedness, you'll start standing. And if you hang around too long, you'll be sitting. They'll have your attention, and they'll have your presence. Do you see that right there? It's an interesting thought. That's not the part, though, of this that I want you to get. So blessed is the one who does not walk. Stand or sit in the company of the wicked, of mockers, of people who are against God. Here's the promise. Uh, But he whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates in his law uh, day and night. Look what the promise is for this guy. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. This part. Whatever they do, what? How would you like that to happen for you right there? And if you don't say it, you don't get it. So how would you like that to happen for you right there? How would you like it to happen for your children, and your children's children, and in your business? How about in your church? Would you love that to happen in your church? Man, this is a promise from God, and the Bible simply says it gives, it gives the, here's the thing to do, and if you do this in obedience and in faith, Remember those things, obedience and faith, because we're going there. If you do those things in obedience and in faith, here's the promise. Those who don't walk with the wicked, but those who love God will be like trees planted by streams of water whose whose fruit never fails, their leaf never withers, and whatever they do prospers. That's an awesome promise, man. man. It's an awesome promise right there. If you are one of those people like, you know, I'd love to spend time with God, Pastor, give me some direction. What what should I pray? Pray that right there. God, whatever I do today, let it prosper if it blesses you. Amen. Boom. That's easy right there. Thank you for that overwhelming. Wow. Okay. Two. Here's my second favorite one. I'll tell you where it came from. Let me read it first and I'll tell you where it came from. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You might know this one. Uh, this is just a promise that when I feel condemnation, um, do you ever, does the devil ever tell you uh, things like, you know, you you may, you probably aren't really saved. Does that? I'm the only one that's ever heard that lie in the hole. Wow. I, I, can, maybe you guys could all gather around and pray for the pastor then for a few minutes because I... Every once in a while, just to have the enemy, you know, like, well, I'll do it real quick. Mess up, feel condemned about it. Uh, The enemy never comes to pat you on the back and say, hey, it's going to be okay. The enemy's favorite ploy is to double down when you feel condemnation. That, by the way, comes from him, and the condemnation simply is, you, you probably aren't really even a believer, because the believer wouldn't do something like that. You ever heard that one right there? Okay, here's the answer for that. Therefore, if anyone, that's pretty wide, anyone. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and that old person is gone. The new is here. So if you're in Christ, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle in this life With sin, it doesn't mean that. We're in a battle with flesh and spirit. Listen to me real quickly. But the promise from God is this. If you're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. God doesn't look and see the old. All he sees is the new in your life. He sees the new in your life. So if you struggle with any condemnation, man, that's a life verse that you should hold on to. That one has helped me over and over third one is the one that we've been teaching in our series Above Average. I think this one of all scriptures that you should memorize and of all scriptures that you should be praying over your life and over the things that your hands find to do. This is the scripture that I think is the proof that God wants us to pray and believe and ask for above average prayers. And it just simply uh, says this. To him, speaking of God, now to God who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or what? Yes. According to his power that is, work with, that is at work within us. So the thought simply is here. Uh, on, on your best day, <laughs> with your greatest imagination thinking about your life or your marriage or your children or your bucket list, the things you want to accomplish, when, when everything, if, if nothing is telling you no, if money's not the issue, if time's not the issue, if, if a person's not standing in the way, if, if nothing were there and you could imagine doing the greatest things in the world and you wrote it all down, that verse just told us God can do immeasurably more than what you can do on your best and greatest day. So when we begin to pray and believe things, we've got to understand, dude, it's not up to you to try to come up with something good. God's already got you beat with what He wants to have happen in your life. And if we'll allow His power to work in us, man, there's the trade-off again. If you use faith and obedience, then the blessing of God is the promise that comes with it. Now, I just threw this in uh, only because it's kind of like, here's, here's my opportunity to pastor a lot of people real quick instead of one-on-one. I, I have been asked this question since I've been in ministry, and I get asked it a couple of different ways. It has to do with prayer. Uh, one of them goes something like this. This is a conglomeration of many people asking this. Is God too busy to, to pay attention to, to my prayers? I mean, has God got too much going on? I mean, he's like, you know, like, I'll hear things like he's busy, he's running the universe. I mean, there's a lot of important things that are going on, like when shootings happen and things like, and then I'm praying over here about my car starting. I mean, is it even fair? Should I even believe that God hears things like that or he cares about things like that? Uh, so that's one way that people ask the question. And then the other one sort of is is phrased like this, and I'm going to answer both of them in just a second. Uh, so the other one is, it's not exactly, but it's a conglomeration. Uh, people will ask questions like this. Okay, uh, maybe it's all right to pray for the big things, like like uh, like someone who's sick, or that, like maybe a, a job that I need that could really bless the kingdom, or, or pray for my marriage, or pray for my kids. But all the little stuff, and you know, life is mostly made up of the little stuff. You think it's if it's fair for me to pray for the, for the little stuff uh, to God. And I, I'll just reverse that rule. Uh, do, do you realize that even your big stuff is little stuff to God? <laughs> Think about it for just a second. I know I'm not making fun, and I am not saying that it's not big to you. But just if the question is what you're doing is you're putting God on your level, you're creating God in your image, and this is what you're saying, you're, you're vocalizing, yeah, I get that God will answer the big stuff, but you know the little stuff, the nitpicky stuff, does he really care? Look, the, the big stuff is important to him, the little stuff's important to him, but the point is he is God. So even your big stuff is little stuff. What is too hard for the Lord? Right. Nothing is the answer. Nothing is the answer. So I think that where this is going is trying to realize that God thinks about our lives in above average terms. Uh, I said this to our teaching team this week, you know, really the culture that we live in, uh, it's, it's not just like uh, we're trying to teach people uh, to be above average. Uh, average today in our culture is so far below average compared to just not that long ago, that we're just trying to raise people up to what what most people would consider above average, uh, I would say is just getting you back to what even average is now. And then trying to get people to think like above average with where God is immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Most of us, the the words that I'm speaking right now, this is so big, it just, right over our head. So the Holy Spirit's gotta take this, bring this down into a way that at least puts you in a mindset of realizing it's okay to to pray. There was a book that Terry Hilgers turned me on to. Uh, uh, It was a business book. But the guy said, uh, every every person, uh, whether you're pastor a church or you run a company, large or small, you should have BHAGs, B-H-A-G, big, hairy, awesome goals, okay? (laughs) you should be praying haps, Big, hairy, awesome prayers. 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 Look, man, God is a God who is more than able, a God who loves to answer our prayers, a God who is, who is passionate about us. Uh, Jonathan Murley had great insight this week. He and Rebecca took, took their oldest Uh, to Liberty University, the first one to leave the house, and I told John years ago, uh, I just got, Chris and I just have a few years on them, we're just ahead of them on the trail, that's the only difference, so we got married before them, we had children before them, we hit the milestones first, and when we took Ames, who was our oldest, to YWAM and dropped her off, uh, I told Jonathan it was like this, The minute uh, we got to the base and it was the final moment to say goodbye, I I get out of the car. Tears are coming down my face. i prepared this speech. I'm ready to tell her, uh, you're ready, honey, you're going to do this. If you ever need anything, your dad's going to be here. Whatever you need, you're ready for this moment. Amy, we we are so proud of you. And she jumps out of the car and she's gone and didn't even look back. (laughs) She never looked back. And every time... We would drop her at the airport for the next four years. She would get out of the car, and I would tell Chris, watch this, and off she'd go. And she, I would always think she'll get up to at least, like, uh, you know, she'd have to go out a concourse, and you can walk across the bridge at a concourse. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you get to, to security right there. And I would always think we, we'd walk to that point where you have to stop, and she'd go. To, I would always think we'd have that moment. She'll turn around and at least wave to us. It was like we didn't exist when she, she was gone. And it wasn't that she wasn't... <laughs> we had the most and have the most awesome relationship, but she was just excited about where she was going. And so I told, I told the whole church at the time, the loneliest flight I ever took dropped her off in Kona, got on a plane, and turned my head to the window and wept for several hours. I didn't want anybody to talk to me, leaving my, my girl behind there. And I think John heard that, but didn't really hear that. And this week in leaving his daughter, he sent me a picture. He said, we just dropped her off and he sent me a picture and she's walking away, not looking back as she heads into the university. She's excited about her life and where she's going. You raised a, (laughs) not a cripple. You raised a person who's ready, man. And that's exciting. But here was your insight that you said. If I love my daughter this passionately, that to be separated from her causes me to weep and to feel the emotion that my heart, I now understand how my God feels about my presence in his life too. Listen to me real quickly. So many times we disconnect this idea that God, yeah, he, he is running everything, and he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, but you know, the, the one name of all the names of God that he chooses to reveal himself to his people by is Abba, Father, because in that name you have all of the characteristics of God. God wants you to relate to him as Father, Child. Isn't that powerful? So that when we pray, man, I, now I know this is going to mess some people up because you had a bad relationship with a parent, but listen, just because it got messed up here on earth, you've got to stop projecting what happened here with a human onto your relationship with God. Come on. That's good. Think, folks, I'm going to say it one more time. You've got to quit projecting onto God the baggage that happened here on earth. What you didn't get by pedigree, you can have supernaturally because you do have a perfect heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you, who's longing to draw you so that when we pray, man, I, I, forgive me for wandering a little bit, but I'm trying to get you to the mindset that when we pray, the reason we can pray above average prayers is because we get the revelation. We love our children and the Bible says we're humans, which compared to God makes us evil. God loves us, oh, perfectly. And so much that he wants and delights in answering your prayers. So never think, God's too busy, or this is too little, or this is pathetic. Just like with your kids, you love them and you love it when they come to you. And if you don't, something's broken. It's okay to be quiet on that one. All right. <laughs> Let's just, let's move on. When is it important to know? You'll need your pen or your pencil or your online notes right now. When is it important to know God is able? So, I mean, the average question of that is uh, all the time, pastor. Yep, you're right, all the time. It's like, you know, when you're in Sunday school, the answer to every question is Jesus, okay? So when is it important to know that God is able? All the time. But that's, come on. Let's let's go after the meat of this. Let's go, let's dive into this. Let's grab the heart of this. Let's let's learn to be people who truly believe that our God is above average, that he has above average children. Is it can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Is it making sense? He's above-average God, and God has above-average children. So he enjoys us praying above-average prayers. So when is it important to know that God is able? Let me give you two significant moments in your life, and these will happen to you at multiple times, but they are two significant moments of navigating, of being... of of passing, graduating, getting through these two significant moments that happen often in life, okay? So when is it important to know that God is able? Here's the first one. Whenever God presents to you a new opportunity, you need to know and be praying and be confessing and be standing on the promise that my God is able. I'm going to read to you a scripture from the Old Testament that uh, so let me just ask you a question. When is the last time you woke up and said, hey, I'm going to read the book of Lamentations today? Do <laughs> so you know what a lamentation is, right? Do you know? Does anybody? Just, lamentation is lamentation is like, woe is me. That's a lamentation. I mean, the book itself is not like, you know, hey, let me be bummed out. Uh, <laughs> so Lamentations was written by a prophet uh, when the nation of Israel uh, is in, um, has been taken over and has been taken captive. And so it's the lamentation of where they are spiritually. But even in the middle of being in this, this really difficult place this is what makes this look at the context they're in slavery they're the they're being judged they've been disobedient they've been faithless and god kept warning them and they end up in a really terrible place and so uh, lamentations then is written by a prophet who is with the nation of israel as they're suffering through the judgment of another nation and look look at what he writes even in the middle of trouble because of the lords great what? Let's read it together. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Look at me. This would be a powerful verse if Israel had just built the temple and was experiencing revival in the nation. Agreed? but they're taken captive, literally being mistreated. Everything that they believe have been taught and everything that makes them Jewish has been taken away from them. A a Jew, being Jewish is not religion. It It is identity. It's who you are. So everything that they were raised with that they believe to be true that makes them who they are is being taken away from them. So lamentations, many parts of lamentations are very, very sad. But I find it ironic, actually, I find it to be truthful that even people who realize it's difficult now, my God is above average, and I can pray above average prayers, and God will hear me even in difficult times. Even if I cause the difficult time. I just said something really good. So if you take that idea, go back to that scripture real quick, uh, Daniel. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. That means you can never run out of them. Even if you use up 10,000 measures of compassion in a day, when you go to sleep and wake up, it's full again. That's a good deal. I wish my bank account was like that right there. Great is your. Great is your. Dude, that's an above average prayer when you're going through a hard time, but let's take it to our lives. And when is it important to know that God is able? If you are headed into college, You're about to embark uh, from what you've known to be normal, what you've known to be. You've become the big fish in the small pond. It's about to flip on you, and you're going to be the little fish in the big pond. And all of a sudden, everything will be challenged about who you are what you believe, where you stand, and now there's no home to help hold you in place for most of you. You're going to be away. You've got a new opportunity, a new challenge. It's not time to be afraid of that. It's time to go into it knowing the Lord's compassions never fail. Everything is new with him Every day his faithfulness is there and I'm going to live this new opportunity knowing God is able. And if you're a parent about to release a kid. I feel really bad for No. Here. <laughs> here's what I would say to you. <laughs> Man, all the work that you have done, all of a sudden here, what you feel like is, oh, there's still so much more I've got. You've done a good job, and now you're going to see how good. And it may look like a ship that's getting launched. You ever seen a ship in dry dock when, they, when it runs down and it, go, it, it hits the water, and, dude, it looks like it's going to tip over, then it goes way back over. Sometimes a kid finding equilibrium, it, and every parent wants to jump in there. Stop! You know what that is? Embarrassment. Let them float. Let them float. You did good. Watch what happens. Maybe it's a new job you've been praying about. I met with a guy last week, (laughs) a musician. Listen to this. Who just got the opportunity, um, just got his first real um, recording contract with the Advance And it's hundreds of thousands of dollars as the initial advance. The initial advance. Now, how would you be? Tell me, I mean, just, what do you, would you be excited? Would you be like, uh, would you have at least bought me the cup of coffee? (laughs) What, I mean, would you... So, in our situation, uh, with this, it absolutely, um, all of his dreams are coming true, and he doesn't know what to do. He's like frozen in it, just just frozen in it. He's like, I, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, I, uh, I don't know what, uh. and so I had a chance, just, I'm sitting there, I, re, I could really hear the Lord, so I just stopped him, I said, listen to me. I said, every prayer you've been praying for the last 10 years, God is saying yes to, and it's all coming together right now. You're the man for the moment. Don't you dare shy away right now. Don't you dare drop the ball right now. Dude, cross the goal line so we can all cheer. And I would love tickets next time you're in Denver, (laughs) by the way. I'm just throwing this out to you because, you know, for some of you, for some of you, (laughs) yeah, God's going to make your dreams come Some of you are on the edge of dreams coming true. Look at me. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm not looking at my notes. I didn't write this down. Some of you have been praying, God is going to make your dreams come true. When do you need to know that your God is able? It's not just when you're in trouble. It's when everything you ever wanted happens to you. You need to know right then that your God is able, man. You're not in there by yourself with that all of a sudden. Ooh. I, every once in a while, I, I, it's serendipity. I step into something I didn't plan, and it's not like in your backyard step into It's like <laughs> something good. Just You don't know what I just said. Somebody's dream is about to come true, man. Something phenomenal is about that. You've been praying and asking, and you're closer than you think. And if it is you and it does happen, I want to know about it. Because it's history if I say it after, but it's prophecy if I say it before. And I don't know who you are and I don't know what it is. But when, if, and it's soon, please tell me so I may rejoice with you. Because it also helps me to know that I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. So just so you remember... God is with you in that right there, man. A new opportunity is when you need to know that God is able. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's a second marriage. Thank you for encouraging me. (laughs) When we fail at something and we have a second chance, Tell me that's not usually when the enemy attacks us with, ah, it's going to turn out worse than the first one. Aren't you glad that God is the God of second chances? Not the God of if only, how many times have I said that, but the God of but now. But now, turn to me. But now, give me your heart. But now, repent. I'm glad he never goes, if only you would have listened. If only the clock hadn't run out on you. If only you would have had better parents. I don't know where that one came. (laughs) Here's the second one. Fill it in. When do you need to know that your God is able a new opportunity Two. When you deal with an old and familiar failure. This is rhetorical. You do not need to respond to it. If you want to, you can, but I would think that most of us probably would like to be anonymous, and that being anonymous at times is okay. So I'll be the guinea pig, and I'll admit to it. I'll ask the question, and I'll answer it myself. Anybody in this room seem to always deal with a familiar sin that you think you get victory on it, and then as sure as the day is new... You trip up and there you go and you did it again and you're dealing with an old failure. Anybody like that? Here, my hands are up. I've done that. And then promise God I'll never do it again again. And because I'm trying to do it in my power, my willpower, I'm trying to let it be the power of John that works in John that gets me over that thing, I find the great failure of all humanity that if I could be my own Savior, then I don't need another Savior. And if I could do it myself, then Jesus wasted his time to come to earth. The truth of the matter is not one person in this room can save yourself. You couldn't get it done the first day. You couldn't get it done the second day or any day since then. And you will not get it done in order to get yourself into heaven. The only way you will make it is based on the work of Jesus. Yes or no. So when you're dealing with an old failure, don't make the mistake of suddenly taking that Thing that you feel such shame over and that you've blown so many times and pull it away from God and say, hey God, I'm sorry about this. You know how sorry about it. I mean, you know my heart. I'm really sorry. God, I'm gonna handle this and as soon as I get it handled, then I will come back and then we can start going forward. How foolish that is. The only way out A way and free is to fully open up and let the power of God work in you. So admit, God, I am powerless to stop this stupid habit. God, I am powerless to stop this anger, to stop this this reaction, to stop this lusting, to stop this, you fill in the blank. Admit it. Give up. Don't quit. Give up. No, give over and give it to him because the Bible says he wants to immeasurably do more than you can ask or imagine according to what? Okay, this really bums me that you don't have this part. So he wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or think according to his power that what? Works in us works in you your job is to let God's power work in you listen to this your job is to get rid of everything that hinders the Holy Spirit from working in your life did you just hear what I said Mm, okay let's let's move on I, I you know sometimes when I'm preaching I think to myself dude you can really preach and then I look up and I'm like I'm not sure you agree with what I'm with what I'm saying, so I don't so the caveat, <laughs> you want to know what I really wrote in my notes? <laughs> uh, it's... This is how human I am, and what a what a bad guy I am. Um, <laughs> i I don't just listen to Christian music. I know it's bad, huh? I listen to some secular stuff, and I like a lot of classic rock. And um, Yeah, Jackson Brown was a guy that I grew up with, and I just like his music. You may not. I'm not telling you to go listen to him, although if you'd like to hear something decent, go listen to Jackson. (laughs) Uh, But he's got this old song, man. And and what's really weird, the, the lyrics of the song are just like, look, just because he's not a believer doesn't mean he doesn't have a gift from God. So that gift that he has, it becomes powerful when he surrenders it to God. But he has a gift. And you can hear it when he writes and in what he sings. And he wrote a song when he was 16 years old that there's no way in the natural he had the experience for the lyrics to come out of his head. It was the fact that he had a gift. And if you're not a fan of his, you won't know the song. But the song is called These Days. The Allman Brothers sang it too. I'm giving away some of my... And there's a lyric in the song these days. He says, don't confront me with my failures. I have not forgotten them. And I can't listen to that song and think to myself, look, uh, most of us, if not all of us, are very, very aware of where we struggle and how we blow it, yes or no. You don't forget. You know exactly. And the devil doesn't forget either. And so, if any of us worry, like, well, Pastor, you know, if you teach, like, uh, don't spend your time trying to work on those things. Spend your time on on just letting God's power work in you. Uh, that that stuff's never going to let go, dude. You you are into. Um, You're into works and not grace and you don't understand the futility. It doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven, but you're going to spend your whole life being frustrated because your righteousness will never be enough and your willpower will fall short. And yes, you may live a better life than the guy standing next to you. But if the goal is perfection, which means to be perfect, that's how you get into heaven is to be perfect, then you're not going to make it because you're not perfect. You can out jump your partner. But if the goal was the moon, you missed it by how many miles? There was only one who was perfect. And his perfection is given to you, that salvation, when you accept God's terms for reconciliation, which is surrender. God, I can't do it. I need help. I accept your plan for salvation, which is Jesus. Take my failure. And give me his success. There it is. And as long as, see, that's good for everybody who prays a prayer for salvation. But the next day, if you take over the work of righteousness in your life, which is, I'm going to get my act together. I'm going to stop all this crud from going on. I'm not going to do that anymore. you, you You began well with Jesus being your Savior. But now you've transitioned into you being your own righteousness. Well, I... Yes, I'm off of it. I'm sorry. Okay. So the caveat caveat to God doing immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine is simply his power that works in us. So what encourages, here's the best part, let's just get to it. What encourages God's work in us? And I think you don't need a list of 42 things to remember. There's two things. These two things will encourage God's work in you. The first one is simple, faith. Faith encourages God's work in you. Hebrews 11.6 cannot say it any clearer than this. Just look at this. It's the most concise teaching that we have on what faith does. And it's coming. There it is. Without faith, without faith. it is impossible to please God. Let's we'll say that one more time. Without faith, it is impossible So God wants to work in you, but without faith, you cannot be pleasing to God. It takes faith. Faith is simply believing that God is who he said he is, will do what he said he will do. And even if you have no proof with your eyes or your life or anything around you, you still believe it because you believe God. That's faith. Faith is not this emotional thing of, oh, I think I feel faith. That's not faith. And if you say, well, if I could see it, then I will believe it. That's not faith. Sometimes you have to believe it to see it. And so many of us, if I could just see it, then I'd believe it. You and the rest of the world who don't know Jesus. But you are a believer, which means that you've made this decision that even if you don't show me, I still choose to believe. That you are who you said you are. You'll do what you said that you'll do. And by faith, God, I will come to you. Look what it says. Because anyone who comes to God must first believe that he exists and that he what? Rewards those who earnestly seek him. You cannot seek him because you cannot see him unless you have faith. So you want God to work in you? It is a simple premise, an easy formula. This whole thing in Ephesians 3.20, God wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine the caveat according to his power that works in you. Dude, if, if you just really want to see this scripture happen in your life, then take this part seriously. What encourages his power in us? Faith. Mark chapter 6 is one of the more interesting teachings about faith. Jesus goes to his hometown. He grew up. His boyhood hometown is Nazareth. On our Israel trip, we go to Nazareth. We look at some of the places that that took place in the narrative of Jesus and his boyhood home. It's really cool. It's fun. But one of the things that happened when Jesus grew up and returned to his town, he went to the synagogue. And on the day that they're meeting in the synagogue, he, he was asked to read from the Torah... They hand him uh, from the book of Isaiah. He opens up Isaiah and he begins to read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news, to set at liberty the captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to open up blind eyes. God is here in your midst today. He rolls it back up. He looks at all of them and he says, this scripture is now fulfilled at this moment. And he's calling himself God to everybody there. And at first, they all go nuts. Yeah! And then one person (laughs) says, who does this guy think he is? Didn't he grow up right down the street? Don't his mom and his dad and his brothers and his sisters, don't they hang out on the corner down here with the rest of the town? Isn't he one of us? And he calls himself God, and they got offended at him. And then the Bible says this. He could do no great work in his own town except heal a couple of people. Now, today we'd go, we'd settle for that in a second. But that's small potatoes to Jesus. And what's, what's really remarkable, I've taught this before, on his way to his hometown, these three things happen. He raises a dead girl at a funeral, He heals a woman who's been bleeding internally for years and years and years. And then he casts out a a man who is so demon-possessed that his name is Legion, meaning he has a thousand demons living. Those three things happen on the way to Jesus' hometown. He gets to his hometown, and he can do no great work. And here's the only reason, if you go back, the Bible says Jesus marveled, listen, at their lack of If you're going to make Jesus marvel, don't let it be at your lack of faith. Let it be at how much faith you have. Do you hear what I'm saying? So just real quick. I'm just, I don't know how to get this across to you. I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to be ugly. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm fired up. Man, I preached last night for shine. I've just been preaching just so much lately and I'm just, I feel so good about where I'm at spiritually, man. I just like, uh, I can't get enough of it. And I know I'm, I know I'm like a fire hose right now and I'm a lot to take. Oh, uh, you're so lucky. Uh, just <laughs> listen, listen to what I'm, I'm trying to say to you, man. We think of Jesus's hometown as a bunch of yahoos who, what, what is wrong with them? How, can they not recognize that Jesus can do all, all they have to do is say, Jesus, we believe And the most, they're going to have their prayers answered. What did you think to get your prayers answered? You just keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I guess not. That just seems logical to me. I'll just say this to you real quickly. So we judge Nazareth all the time. We just think, what was wrong with those people? I think his hometown today is the local church. Because I think we're so familiar with what Jesus can, can't, will, won't, how much time we have to work with, what the preacher's going to say, what we've seen happen before, what we're comfortable with anyway, what we've seen in the past is predicting what we think we're going to see tomorrow. And if Jesus actually decided to be Jesus in the midst of his hometown, I'm not sure that we wouldn't go, hey, who does this guy think he is? And become intellectually offended at the fact that it's different than how we do it every weekend. Ooh, I just said something. Ah, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't hear me, or you might be trying to run me out of town on a rail right this minute. So, uh, What encourages his work in us? Faith. The second one. These two are just simple. Uh, Jesus above average. God wants to do more, immeasurably more, more than you can measure. He wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that works in you. How do we encourage God's power to work in us? Faith, and the second one is the twin to faith, obedience. Say it with me. Obedience. First Samuel um, is just a real picture of uh, of the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. Saul was a stud in many ways. He was taller than... He was the James Reuter of the front, front row, man. Yeah, he was a stud. Tall, had it all together. He would have been the easy one to say... This guy should be the king right here. He's got it all together. Yes, I feel that. That's, yeah, yeah. You look at your son's like, (laughs) He He was a good guy. He had a good spirit. um, But he had a problem with obedience. And I know that doesn't affect anybody in this room today. But this guy had a problem with obedience, and so the reputation that he has now, but you got to realize that this was, he was a hero. They looked at him as a hero. And so God had sent him out into a battle to battle a people who were very, they were very evil. The occult and and child sacrifice was very much what they were battling, and God told them you cannot leave one thing alive, not one thing not one thing. And we look at that and we think to ourselves, how could God be so harsh? And I'm just going to give you the short story was that they were so evil. The practices were so evil that if they left any of it to come into Israel, it will work. It's The devil will not settle for just, a, he will work it in. If you get rid of the leaven, you've got to get rid of all of the leaven. Yeah. Do you understand what I, yeah. okay, all right. So Saul, he goes into this battle and he does almost everything God tells him. He destroys almost everything except these things. He keeps the king alive because he wants to show off, uh, hey, I captured another king. I'm the, I'm the great king. And he keeps all of the animals, and he keeps uh, the treasure, and he thinks that it's okay to do this. It's the spoils of war. And, and that is, at times, that, that has been acceptable But in this case, God gave a specific word. You cannot save one thing, and that includes the animals, and that includes all of their treasure. You cannot have one thing that represents who these people were and the wickedness that they did on the face of the earth. And Saul did almost everything that God asked him except that he spared the king, he spared the animals, and he kept the treasure, and he was even going to divide the treasure up. He thought he was such a good guy. The prophet comes and hears the sound of the animals. And so he confronts Saul and he says to Saul, what's the bleeding that I hear in my ear? And Saul tries to explain, well, I did everything God told me to do, except I kept the king alive because I wanted to show off to everybody that I'm a stronger king. And I kept the animals because the animals didn't do anything wrong. I mean, come on. God couldn't have meant everything. And then the money, what does God care about the money? Money's money. In fact, we could melt it down and we could put my face on it, it'll, it'll, it'll all wash out in the end. And you really thought that by being disobedient and striking deals with God, that God could be dealt with that way. And God was so... so offended, for lack of a better word, by the disobedience of Saul that he stripped... The title from Saul that day. He stripped it. He picked another king. This is when David came in. This verse right here. Samuel's the prophet. He's talking to the king. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in, what's the word? Obeying Obeying the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, to listen, to to do what God tells you to do is better than the fat of the rams. And he's just simply saying this. You can do all, you can give the money, you can go to church, you can give the lift service, you can sing the songs, you, you can do all the stuff and you can justify in your mind that by doing all the stuff, it outweighs the two or three things of disobedience that you're doing. But God is not into trying to weigh the disobedience against all the obedience. To God, obedience beats everything else that you can do. Look at me real quick because I'm just, now I'm going to turn back into a 1952 Baptist pastor. (laughs) There is no second way. There is no second road. There is one road. It is a narrow road. Jesus himself said, few find that way obedience man you cannot start bargaining with God when it comes to your salvation okay God I am doing 90% righteousness in my life but the 10% okay that's the tithe that belongs to me you're missing the road you're missing the road and you think I'm hard right now And you can say, this is exactly why young people aren't going to church anymore. Well, if they're not going anymore because they don't want to be obedient, what do you want me to do about it? Change that. Change our church to say, live any way you want to live then as long as you keep coming to church. Come on, folks. We live in a funky day today. It's really tough to know, to love and yet walk in righteousness. Not to judge, not to trip people up, not to put stuff on them, but also not to approve of something that is killing you. You want to know what a lousy pastor is? A lousy pastor stands there while your life goes down because he's afraid to say something. I will answer to God twice on the judgment day for what happens to your soul. And as much as I don't want to hurt your feelings or offend you and I don't want you to leave, my dear... I don't want to face God (laughs) and have him tell me, well, you didn't hurt their feelings, but I'm a little upset. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's, boy. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to do this two more times tomorrow. Oh, wait. Uh. (laughs) Come on. Help me out just a little bit yeah just a little i 'll take anything right now <laughs> all right here, here it is um, I got this little movie clip uh, it 's five twenty eight dang it i didn 't mean to go this long again um, you know this is this is literally so people pray for revival what if, what if Jesus wanted us to worship for an hour and a half? Yeah. So you got, you know, you got something to say to that and then you got half like, I will find another church where Jesus is a little faster. <laughs> I like fast Jesus. <laughs> I crack myself up. Um I've got this clip I want you to see, and then what we'll pray about is just, here's, here's what I want you to start thinking right now. I believe that every one of us in this room can identify, if you'll take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. For some of you already know, but uh, I, I think all of us can identify an area in our life where God is calling us to obedience. Maybe it's in a relationship. Uh, Maybe it's in a sacrifice. Maybe it's in a gift that you're supposed to give. Maybe it's in a witness of talking to someone that God's told you to talk to about him. Maybe it's an apology. Maybe you've got a million reasons why you cannot be obedient. Maybe it will take you a year. If you set in motion today. To be obedient and to have faith. Maybe it'll take you a year to be able to get into the place to be face to face with that person. If you give any time to what I'm saying, it'll come to you. You'll know what it is. Because God is not static. We grow in our faith from glory to glory. Maybe it's a sacrifice to give up something or maybe it's the courage to start something. Maybe it's the faith to release a child. Maybe it's the courage to let a child founder a little bit So that God can become God to them. Whatever that leap of faith is, that that obedience step, it can be a scary thing. Please do not think for one moment that Pastor John is up here like, you know, when I gathered the staff together, this is what I told them. They can all bear witness. We are sinning if we ask our people to do something that we as leaders are not doing. So I need all of you right now to think of what is that area that God's calling you to be obedient and that you're having trouble being obedient in, and that you need God's help. I don't want you to promise me you're going to go home and do it. I want you to promise me you're going to let the Holy Spirit work in you. You hear me? So I've got this little movie clip. This is it's from Indiana Jones. I like Indiana Jones movies. and uh, He has to take a leap of faith, and I just thought maybe, maybe it helps to give you a picture of what it looks like. So watch this.
1: You must believe, boy.
0: You must. The only reason that I picked that one out is that I think sometimes when we're thinking about taking that leap of faith, look, man, you can trust God. It's there. If it's God, it's there. There's a place to step. But with God, he doesn't always let you see what that's going to look like or what that's going to feel like. There's just a certain level. If your faith is, I have to see it first before I can do it, you don't have faith. You just don't have faith. And I'm not condemning you right now, but we can't please God without faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. These are all scriptures. We have to be people who are willing. If you want to do anything great for God, if you want to be obedient, if you want Ephesians 3.20, for God to do immeasurably more, all than you can ask or think according to the power that works in you, then it requires obedience and faith. What is he asking you to step out and do? What is it? Is it to reconcile something? Is it to get away from something? Is it to buy something? Is it to sell something? Is it to save something? Or is it to be bold and give something? As many different people in here, that's how many different Things are in here, and then multiply by as many different people that God's not just doing one thing. If you've prayed prayers, God, I really want to grow, and God, I really want to, God, I want this to be my year. God, When John teaches, it touches something inside of me and I'm tired of just sitting here and being touched. God, I want to live those things and I want to do those things. If you've ever prayed those prayers, then what I'm doing right now is trying to say, God is answering your prayer. Take a step. What is it? And I'm not even asking you to go home and do it. I'm not asking you to get, get your willpower up. Get a backbone. I'm asking you before the Lord to tell him, you can have all of me to work in me. God, help me to have faith. God, I want to be obedient. Come clean. I'm not good at being obedient, God. I like to do it my way. I had one of my grandchildren this week and I was trying to make them sit, sit down. I need to tell you something, sit down. And they were so full of energy, they wouldn't sit. Finally, I got them to sit, but on the inside, they were standing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? God knows the difference. When our heart is doing it, or we're just trying to, oh, shut up, oh, enough already. God help us not to work our own righteousness, not to work our own faith, not to become presumptuous people, not to try to strike out in our own religious way of fixing things. God, if you identify anything within us right now that you're calling us to be obedient and you're calling faith out of us, Father, we are not going out of here in our own power. What we say is, God, it's according to your power that works in us. So before I do anything, I surrender my life to you. Fill me up, speak to me, show me how, get me ready, make it clear. I don't wanna mess the timing up, I don't want to do it, Father God, and have it fall short. I don't want to say the wrong thing trying to do the right thing. So according to your power that works in me, God, here's what I'm going to ask. If anybody in this room identifies with what I'm saying right now, you know that you know that there is an area or areas where God is calling you right now to be obedient with and to have faith with and it's been difficult for you and yet you want him to do immeasurably more all than you can ask or imagine and you are willing to surrender fully to the Lord right now by saying God you can work fully in me whatever you want to talk about whatever you want to put your finger on wherever you want to go I'm willing to go God I'm not making any deals with you I'm not holding anything back from you. God, I want to fully surrender so you can fully work in me. If you're ready to be that brave, stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. Don't question it. Don't mess with it. If you're not, there's no condemnation. If you're not, I applaud you for for being a person who's not willing to start a project unless you know you can finish the project. I won't even open my eyes right now because I don't wanna get in the flesh. I wanna stay bold right now where where I'm at with God. It's okay for you if you do not know you're ready no judgment here no condemnation in fact it, you're you're one of the most brave people I know and I bless you but I won't leave you alone All right, now I'm gonna open my eyes well done well done well done okay we said at the very beginning of the service that what makes it different than just meeting together is that the Holy Spirit has to come and touch our lives so that it wasn't just uh, an hour and a half that we got together and, and listened to a few scriptures and the preacher told a couple of jokes. We need the Holy Spirit to touch our lives right now. So as the worship opens up, this one song that we're gonna sing, this one song, I want you to pray to the Father what you just agreed to do with me. God, I hold nothing back. I will no longer let fear be the thing that keeps me from praying everything. Did you hear me? No longer will I let shame And somebody seeing that I struggle with shame. Be the thing that keeps me from saying, God, you can have all of me. No longer. No longer. As we sing this song in your own way, your own words, tell God, you can have all of me because it's according to how much of your power is able to work in me how you're able to answer my prayers, God. I want you to do immeasurably more. God, you can go deep. God, you can go wide. God, you can have it all. You can have it all. And when the song's done, by faith, we believe that God answers this prayer and we'll step right back out in the world. But right now, let the Holy Spirit, in your own words, have all of your heart, all of your life. Let his power work in you. And whatever he tells you to do, don't do it in your power, but tell him, God, do this in me, and I will be obedient, and I will walk in faith. Amen. 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 All right. Jay, go.
1: I just want you And I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just say another song Or take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. So take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to You. I'm caught up in Your presence. And I just want to sit here at Your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. Never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Cause Jesus, you don't owe me anything, and more than anything that you can do. I just want you to tell him. I just want you. And nothing else. And nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else. Nothing else or well, nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else well, nothing else will do I just want you Jesus and nothing else nothing else nothing else will do I just want you nothing else nothing else nothing else make it your prayer I just want you Jesus Nothing else, or oh, nothing else will do. I just want you. Oh, we want you more than anything. Your love is better than our life. We want to line up with what you want, Jesus. But help us. Caught up in your presence, and I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Because I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do. I just want.
2: Thank you that you have only our good in mind. And that the things that you're working and the way that you're moving us and the way that you're leading us, Lord, is for that far deeper benefit, that far deeper place with you, where that true life to the full unfolds more and more as we're able, as you help us, as you move in us, to surrender, to lay it down what you desire and what you want over what we want. Lord, you are taking us in a place from saying, come and have your way to actually moving on that and having your way. And sometimes that's uncomfortable and sometimes that's unknown, but God, we thank you that you are our comfort and you are our peace and you are our guide. And I just pray over the span of this room, all the things that you're calling out, all the things that you're moving in us to step up in faith and step forward in obedience, Lord, that we would do it by your power, Lord, that works in us, Lord, that is yours to begin with, that we wouldn't strive and we wouldn't work harder, but we'd rest in the place knowing that you're at the beginning of this and you're at the end of this and all of it is because you want our life to the full to come to fruition. Jesus, thank you for this room of people. I pray as we go from here that we'd be more filled up with the excitement and anticipation of what you have for us and not dreading the next step because it's with you, Jesus. And we truly just want you, Lord. So we just put this all in your hands and we trust you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.
1: Thank you for being here. We love you guys. See you next weekend.